Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. How many of you grew up playing in the mud? How many of you still play in the mud? (laughs) I remember when I was a kid, we had a blast making mud pies, throwing what we called dirt bombs. Some of them were just dusty rocks, if I'm telling the truth. Playing in the mud, rolling around in the mud, stomping in the mud. Kids love mud, don't they? But something tends to change and begins to change as you get a little older. For example, take most guys with their cars. Now, unless you've got a truck or a four-wheel drive or a Jeep, you know, where mud is actually a badge of honor, right? But if you've got just kind of a regular car, If you get mud on your car, or you get mud in your car, or if you have a grandson who kicks the back of your seat with muddy shoes, I I don't know anything about that, but, you know, or you don't, you just don't feel like you can function in the midst of the mud, right? Now, I'm not a clean freak at all, but one thing I can't do is ride around in a really dirty car. Now, Sometimes I'll let it go longer than I should, but if it gets really dirty, I try to get the mud off my car. Now, I, now, but I am obsessive about getting the trash out of my car. My kids and my wife have teased me all my life. Basically, my policy is if it doesn't, if it's not required to operate the motor vehicle, get it out of the car when you come out. <laughs> Don't be leaving no trash in my car. Don't be leaving no half-drank water bottles. Can I get a witness from somebody in this house? Get it out. Because I don't want the clutter. I don't want the trash. How many neat freaks do I have in the house like that with me? Amen. Go ahead. That's okay. You're in good company. You're in good company. Now, I'm also not a fan, and I don't think I'm alone, of going through a season of life that feels muddy, or murky, or cluttered, or messy, seasons of life that seem unclear, or uncertain, or unstable. Those seasons when life has gotten crazy, or it's gotten difficult, and the waters are really muddied up, and we just don't know when we're going to be able to see clearly again. Now, the Lord dealt with me last week at the end of the 11 o'clock service to say to some people that you are not stuck, you are planted. I don't know if you were here last week and we talked about that, but I want to elaborate on that subject today, and I want to preach today on this thought, the mud in the middle, the mud in the middle. Now, all throughout the Bible, we find Jesus doing amazing miracles, right? turning water into wine, opening blinded eyes, healing crippled people, healing leprosy, calming stormy seas. He even raised the dead. We saw it. And it was always incredibly inspiring 
to read these stories. I mean, they were amazing. Can you imagine being there in person when these things took place? But occasionally, Jesus would perform a miracle in a very unorthodox way. Right? I mean, sometimes the stories were just really out of the ordinary. Now, there's one such story that I want to read to you today from John chapter 9. And there's something important that I think we can learn today from this strange miracle that Jesus performed. By the way, let me say this. Everything in the Bible is there to instruct us in some form or fashion. So this story is no different. I want you to go with me to John chapter 9 and verse 1. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Well, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Amen. Now, when Jesus said that, it was probably starting to sound, well, man, this, okay, something, something's getting ready to happen. I mean, this, was, this guy's been like this so the power of God can be demonstrated. Let's get ready, guys. But then things get a little bit different. Verse 6, then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and he spread mud over the blind man's eyes. And then he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed, and he came back seeing. Now, in this particular story, we find Jesus and his disciples, and they're walking along, and they come across a man, the Bible says, who has been blind for his entire life. So his disciples asked him, they said, hey, Jesus, why is this guy blind? Was it the sins of his parents, or was it his own sins? Which one was it that caused this? And Jesus looked back at it. And by the way, it was common for them to think that in Bible days. That was one of their normal things. If somebody had a disability or a sickness or a disease, oftentimes they just automatically assumed that there must have been sin in the life of that person or in his family. So Jesus, though, responded. He said, hey, guys, it was not because of either of those things. But he's like this, and he's been like this, so that the power of God could be revealed in him. So, man, they're all getting jazzed up. They're getting excited. They're thinking, well, what's going to happen next? And then I want you to notice Jesus did something really weird. John chapter 9 and verse 6. Then he spit on the ground. He made mud with the saliva. And he spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Now, this is one of those moments where if you've been riding around with Jesus, you've been rolling with Jesus, you've uh, been able to hear some of his sermons and see some of the stuff that happens, when Jesus did this, you're probably going, okay, that was a little weird. <laughs> that, that, was, that was a little unorthodox. What is happening? See, because Jesus healed a lot of people in the Bible. He touched some of them. He spoke to the sickness in others. He commanded demons to come out for waters to be still. But spitting on the ground and making mud, what's up with that? And I'm sure the disciples were, were really wondering what was up. Now, 
Imagine with me for a moment that you're the blind guy. Amen. Now you've heard these amazing stories, right? You've heard all, the, all this great stuff that Jesus has done. You've been blind your whole life. And you're sitting there, and now I can't see my notes, amen. <laughs> and you're sitting there, and you're wondering, what's going on? Some of your buddies are by, and, and you can't see, but you hear this commotion coming down the road. And I'm just kind of telling you what I think the story must have been like that day. This is not in the Bible, okay? And you're sitting there, and all of a sudden, you're, you ask one of your buddies, and you say, hey, man, what, what's all the noise? And one of your buddies, he goes, hey, that's Jesus. Jesus and his boys are coming down the road. He's like, what? He said, I heard that he heals blind people. Yes, he does. I've heard about all the miracles. He's like, yes, this is my moment. Finally, this is my moment. What's going to happen? And so he's imagining, you know, ooh, I wonder what he's going to do. Is he going to preach a sermon and then touch me? Is he going to? Is he just going to lay his, fore, his hand on my forehead? Is he going to use two fingers? Is he just going to speak real loud? Is he, what, what's he going to do? And he's just standing there like, hey, man, here he comes. He's getting closer. He's getting closer. He's getting closer. Well, what's going to happen? And then Jesus stops. And all of a sudden, a hush falls over the crowd. He's like, this is it. This is it. It's getting ready to happen. What's he going to do? And there's no noise. And all of a sudden, this is what he hears. <laughs> He's like, hey, what was that? He said, Jesus just spat in the mud. What? Okay, okay, okay. It's a lot of pollen out there. Dusty road. All right, let me get, let me get ready. Let me get ready. And then everybody's real quiet again. And they all look down, and there's Jesus. And the blind guy's like, what's he doing? He's like, we don't know. And so he's standing there, and he's waiting. And he's waiting. He's waiting. And then all of a sudden, pow. He's like, what was that? And his buddy's like, no, he didn't. <laughs> Dude, he just made mud pies and slammed them in your eyes. He's like, what? 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 Come on, are you kidding me? All right, somebody... Where's the towel? Where's the towel? I know he's going to wipe him, but this is weird, but where, where's the towel? What, what's going on? What's happening? I wasn't expecting my answer to come this way. Mud in my eye? I mean, really, Jesus? What, were you bored? I mean, what, did your guys bet you a 20 spot that you would do something different today? What, what? I was not expecting this. All right, check it out. But then it gets worse, guys. All right, well, 
All right, somebody bring me some Dasani. Pour, get this stuff off me. Well, I'm just ready to see. And then John 9 and 7, Jesus steps it up another. He told her, hey, now go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. You mean to tell me after all that, I'm still not healed? You're, gonna, you're not going to get a towel and wipe this stuff off my face. You're, you're not going to you know, get a water bottle or do something. You mean you're going to spit on the ground, which I'm really not quite over that yet. And then you're going to make mud, and then you're going to put it in my eyes. And then instead of healing me, you want me to go find the pool of Siloam. By the way, in case you don't remember, Jesus, I'm blind. I don't, I've never been to the pool of Siloam. I don't know how to get there. You want me to go find it in order for you to complete, I hope complete, what you're asking me to do. I've been blind my whole life. I thought you were going to heal me. I thought you were going to answer my prayer. I thought you were going to give me something amazing. Why do I have to deal with this mud in the middle of my miracle? Not only have you chosen to answer in an unorthodox way, now you want me to wander around in this weird kind of limbo while I wait to see if something's really going to change or not. You want me to go find the pool. You see, I thought when I let you get involved in my life, it was going to be a lot easier than this. I thought when I made the decision to follow you, you would say something really awesome, something profound. I would get my answer, and then after church was over, we would all go to Mod Pizza and talk about how great church was today. How I got my miracle. Amen. See, I thought when I became a Christian, you would become abracadabra Jesus in my life. See, I thought when I became a Christian, you would just wave angel dust on my life and everything would always go just the way I hoped, just the way I had planned, just the way I had wanted to be. Oh, see, nobody told me about all this mud in the middle. Nobody told me that on one side of my miracle would be blindness, and just when I think things are going to get better, somebody's going to spit in the mud and put a mud pie on my face, and then I go, go for a long, blind walk. And all my friends are going, man, he didn't do that with Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus just yelled real loud, and, and, they, and they even tried to shut him up. He didn't do that with the woman with the issue of blood. Matter of fact, he didn't even know what was up. He was just standing there. Hey! Virtue has departed from me. He didn't do that with Lazarus. Well, he did let Lazarus die. There was that. Why me? Why mud? Why all this murkiness? Why not just do it the orthodox way? It reminds me of another story some of you have heard about. This one's from the Old Testament. There was this guy named Naaman. 
And according to the Bible, you can read about him when you go home, 2 Kings chapter 5. Naaman was a commander in the army of Syria. He was a good commander. He was held in favor among his peers. God had done a lot of great stuff in his life. But Naaman, Naaman had a really serious problem. He was a leper. Now, leprosy was a cruel disease. And back in the Bible days, it had no cure. But luckily, Naaman's wife had a servant girl who was from Israel. And she finally got up the nerve one day and she told Naaman, she said, you know, Naaman, I think there is a solution to your dilemma. She said, there's this prophet in Israel who I'll bet you if you would go to him, he would be able to heal you. Read the story. So Naaman tells the king. The king writes Naaman a letter. Naaman gets a bunch of money together, silver. He's got all this stuff. And he goes to the king and he says, hey, king, I got all this great stuff I'm going to give you. I just need you to heal me. And the king goes, wait a minute. Dude, I'm not in the healing business. That's not my thing. But guess what? Elisha heard, this, heard about it. Elisha said, hey, king, why don't you send Naaman to me? And I'll take care of this situation. So this is where the story gets interesting. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 9. Check it out. So Naaman went with his horses and his chariots, and he waited at the door of Elijah's house. Okay, here I am. Come on, Elisha. I'm a busy dude. Got places to go, people to see, things to do. Elisha's waiting. I mean, Naaman's waiting. Finally, Elisha, not Elisha, but Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Uh, hey, Naaman, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. What? Uh... Aaron, boy, I didn't come to see you. I came to see Elisha. Uh, well, Elisha told me to tell you. Go to the Jordan River, dip yourself seven times, and then you're going to be healed. But look at verse 11. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. Now check, don't miss this. I thought he would... See, I thought he was going to do something different. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. Now, and don't miss this part either. I expected him to. Let me just stop before I go on. How many times have your I thought he woulds and I expected him to got you all sideways with Jesus? I thought he would do this. I expected him to do that. But, and I love this part, I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy. Abracadabra Jesus. I expected him to call on the name of the Lord as God and heal me. And then if that wasn't enough, aren't the rivers of Damascus, aren't they better than any of the rivers in Israel? Come on, guy, if I got to take a dip in the river, can't I just go home to the rivers I'm familiar with? 
See, why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman, look, turned and went away in a rage. I came all this way. First of all, the preacher won't even come talk to me. And then instead of just healing me, he wants me to do what? Hey, Elisha, you're the one that said for me to come over here. You're the one that told me to come to your house. You want me to go and wash myself by dipping in that muddy, nasty Jordan River seven times? And what does the Bible say he did? He got mad and he stalked away. Because hear me, his plans did not include a muddy Jordan River. His plans did not include a muddy situation in the middle of his dilemma. 2 Kings 5 and 11, but Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. I expected him to wave his hand over this leprosy. I thought he would do it this way, but he didn't. I expected him to act in this manner, but instead, I got something else. Anybody ever been there? I have a need, and I expect it to be met a certain way, in a certain time. And on my terms. And see, I want to ask somebody here today. Just be honest with yourself. How many times have you missed your miracle? Or you missed your answer because God didn't do what you thought he would do. Or what you expected him to do. Or when you thought he should do it. So you walked away angry. Maybe you didn't backslide. But you got bent out of shape. Maybe you didn't leave the faith, but you stopped walking by faith. Maybe you didn't give up on God, but you gave up on your prayers. You gave up on the request. You gave up on the miracle. You see, we want a miracle, hear me, but we don't want to have to deal with the muddy middle. Come on, I'm trying to help somebody today. I want my blindness to be removed, but why the mud? Why the walk to Siloam? I want abracadabra Jesus, not mud pie Jesus. See, I don't want to deal with the mud. See, we want to bypass the messy middle and head straight to our miracle. We don't want delays. We don't want deviations. We don't want detours. We don't want plan B, C, or D because, see, we already worked out plan A. I, God, I, you know, like Stephen talked about last week, God, I've got it all worked out. i got the plan. Here's my timeline. Here's my agenda. Here's my five-year plan. God looks back and goes, ah, five-year plan. Five-year plan. And I want you to listen to what Naaman's advisors told him. But his officers tried to reason with him. Verse 2 Kings 5.13. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you certainly, so you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured. See, they called him out. He said, look. You're all ticked off because it didn't go the way you thought. Or, you know, you didn't, he didn't tell you to go out and kill 100 Philistines. He didn't tell you to, to climb to the top of the mountain and bring back an olive. No, no, no. He just said, go to the Jordan River. 
and dip seven times. And you mean you're going to walk away? Are you that offended that he didn't come to the door? Are you that mad that he said go to the Jordan and not go home? Are you really that frustrated that he didn't just wave his hand over your leprosy like you expected him to? See, you want to be healed, Naaman, but you don't want to deal with a dirty river in order to get to your miracle. I want to talk to some of us here today as believers You see, one of the most challenging periods in your life and in my life is when you feel like God is not moving in a situation as quickly as you think he should. Can I get somebody in the house to say amen? Amen. Come on. Some of you have been praying for years about something. Or, Or when he doesn't move and you can't see it. Because you know what? All you can see is the mud. Hey, why not? Why aren't you gonna do like you did for Bartimaeus? What's wrong with me? How come mud? How come mud? How come the muddy middle? How come a murky circumstance? How come this unclear scenario? Why am I still stuck on this dead-end job? Why is my marriage not getting better? Why are my kids still backslid? Why haven't I got healed yet? Why can't I get over this depression? Why can't I break this addiction? God, you could just wait at say abracadabra. Don't put me through this. Don't make me wait. Don't make me work for it. Don't make, I know it took me years to get out of debt, but I want to get out right now. I want to spin around three times and shout, I'm coming out of it. And you know what happens when you do that? You just spin right around, now you're dizzy and you still got all the bills. They still there, amen. God, I thought you were going to do it like this. I don't want to go dip in this old nasty river. <sighs> do I really got to do it seven times? You see, in everyday life, we all face unplanned delays, right? Cars breaking down, people oversleeping, traffic is heavy, there's always some person in the left lane driving 40 miles an hour. Test your Holy Ghost, Amen. There's this unexpected walk. Somebody's, and you know what we do in everyday life? We learn to deal with it. If you don't learn to deal with it, you're going to do what? You're going to go crazy. You're going to be one of those psychos that walks in and shoots up your job one day. We learn to cope, right? But what about delays that come from God? You pray and the heavens seem silent. You get this prophetic word and months go by or even years go by and it's still not happened. And now you think your prophetic word was really a pathetic word. And you've given up on it. Or you pray about a job and guess what? Somebody else gets it. You pray about a relationship and instead of it getting better, it falls apart. Or in some cases, it never happens. You pray for your husband or your wife. And your marriage is still messed up. Or you're single and you pray for a husband or for a wife. And nothing happens. You trust God, but your faith is rewarded with mud. That's what it feels like. Mud in between your dilemma and your deliverance. Mud in between your prayer and your answer. Mud in between your faith and your fear. You see, a question I think we all want to ask God when we get to heaven, but we're probably scared to even say it out loud is, God, why do you make me wait so long? 
for some of these answers. Because God, I, I happen to know that if you hear it, you immediately, you have the power to do it. See, folks, can I just be real? He can be abracadabra Jesus if he wants to be. He can. But why so often the muddy, murky middle? Why so often the delay? See, the short answer is because part of your spiritual walk and his plan and development for your life is delayed gratification. Sometimes it's a maybe instead of a yes. Sometimes it's a no. Sometimes it's a not yet. There's always a waiting period with God. Dreams are never fulfilled immediately. Abraham had a dream of being the father of a great nation. Guess what? He waited 90 years before he was even told he was going to have a son. Noah, dream of building an ark, but it took him 120 years. And the only people that would help were his sons. <laughs> Don't you love having one of, those, one of those kind of dreams where the only people that help are your kids? <sighs> yeah, Dad. It's going to rain. Wait till I get to move out. I'm 70. Wait till I turn 80. I'm moving out of this place. <laughs> Wait till I turn 40. So much for the free labor. Joseph, he's going to be the ruler in Egypt. But we all forget about the years in prison. We forget about the mud in the bottom of the hole. Before they threw him into, sold him as a slave. David was anointed as king, but he didn't become king until I think it was 14 years later. And he was running for his life from the guy that was in his spot, Saul. And David could have took him out at least twice, and he documented it. Hey, Saul, look at this. Could have took you out, but I didn't. Can you imagine how long and frustrating? That muddy middle was for David. And then there's the best story of them all. The classic story of the delay of the children of Israel. When they were brought out of Egypt and they wandered around for 40 years before they went into the promised land. Talk about mud in the middle. Because really it's only a two to three week journey by walking from Egypt into Israel. But it took them 40 years. What was God doing? Look at Exodus 13, 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them, I don't want you to miss this, on the road through the Philistine country, check it out, though that was shorter. God knew, by the way folks, God's not dumb. He already knows the quickest way to get you to your destination. You don't have to remind him. He already knows what the shortcuts are. He already could be abracadabra, take you on the short route, get you there in two weeks, look at the GPS and say, man, we made it a day ahead of time. But that's typically not how God works. Look what God said, though. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. God didn't lead them the shorter way. Because God knew something they did not know about themselves. God knew they were not ready. They might change their minds and reverse course. They had a muddy middle. Because God knew it was what they needed to prepare them to conquer the promised land. Now, praise team and musicians, I want you to come. I don't know why God lets some of us live with the mud in the middle as long as he does. 
But hear me, I want to encourage somebody. There's always a reason. There is always a reason. When we were looking for a church building, uh, we started out in a little old 7-Eleven. It was dilapidated. Roof was leaking. I mean, it was a mess. It was a hot mess. And then we went into our first school. I had no idea we were going to be in schools for nine years. Uh, we, we joked. We called ourselves the children of Israel. Life church, wandering in our nine-year school wilderness. But God knew we weren't ready. And maybe God's trying to work some pride out of you. Maybe like Naaman, he wants you to trust him even when his plan is not what you thought or what you expected. That, those were Naaman's words. Maybe like Paul in the New Testament, he, didn't, he hasn't removed your thorn because he knows you need it in order to fulfill your calling and to work his purpose in your life. So instead of removing your thorn, guess what he gives you? Grace. He says, oh, by the way, I'm not taking this away. That thorn, that's going to be the mud in the middle for the rest of your life. He said, but my grace is sufficient for you. Maybe he's testing you to see if you're going to get mad and walk away like Naaman did. So here's what I want to say to you. Instead of resisting the mud, we need to do what Naaman ended up doing instead. When he finally came to his senses, look at it, 2 Kings 5.14. Naaman went down to the Jordan River. And he dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. By the way, did you know most everything would work out in your life if you would just listen, not so much to the man of God, but to the Word of God in your life? That's just food for thought. And look what happened. His skin became as healthy, verse 14, as the skin of a young child. He was healed. <laughs> Elisha, this wasn't what I had figured out. But you know what? Woo! You can't argue with the results, baby. Thank you. Thank you. No, the Jordan River was not in my plans. Look at that. Yeah. Whoa. I'm healed. I'm healed. Instead of questioning the spit and the mud in your eyes, we need to do what the blind man did in John 9. Jesus told him to march with the mud. You know what? We pick up the rest of that story in John 9, 7. So the man went and he washed and he came back see. Hallelujah. Well, Jesus, it wasn't what I thought. Uh, it's been a while since somebody spit in my face. Uh, never. But you know what? I just learned another lesson. You don't always do things for the same, the same way with the, for somebody different. You didn't do it like Bartimaeus because I'm not Bartimaeus. You didn't do it like you did with Lazarus because guess what? I'm not Lazarus. You had a plan. All this time. Some of you, God told me to tell you today to not resent the mud in the middle of your situation right now. And you know I'm talking to you. God is using this season to perfect you, to teach you,
to mold you. Well, it's awful murky right now. I don't know where I'm going. I can't see. That's all right. Do you trust the hand of the one that you're following? Do you really trust the Lord or do you just say you trust the Lord? See, our human nature, we always want a fairy godmother type miracle, don't we? We want quick, clean answers. But hear me, can I just tell you, that is not the way of faith. That's not what the faith journey looks like. When Jesus does a miracle, there is almost always a muddy miracle. A time when things seem like they're getting worse before better. A time when Pharaoh makes the children of Israel keep making bricks, but he takes away the straw. And in your pursuit of a miracle, in your pursuit of answers, I want to tell somebody, don't get discouraged if things get worse. Even after calling on Jesus to intervene, because there is a reason for the mud in the middle. I want you to stand with me right now. I want somebody to take comfort from the word of the Lord. Are you ready? Psalm 27 and 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalm 37 and 7. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. See, that's the hard part, right? We want him to act, but it's hard to wait patiently him to act. And you know what that scripture tells me? It wouldn't tell us to be patient if it happened immediately. If he always acted. And then Galatians 6 and 9 says, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. What is it that you've been waiting on God to do? I'm going to open this altar right now, and if you are waiting for a prayer to be answered, if you're waiting for a healing, if you're waiting for a miracle, if you're waiting for a turnaround, before they start singing, I want you to just step out right now from where you are. Just step on out and come right up front. If you're in the middle of a muddy situation, I want you to step out by faith and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I can't see clear because I got mud in my eyes, but I'm going to trust you. I left some perfectly good rivers back home that I'm familiar with, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I need some honest folks who maybe you feel like there's mud in your eyes and you've been waiting for Jesus. I want you to just lift your hands. I want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin to ask God, say, God, I'm going to trust you with the mud. I'm going to trust you with the murkiness. I'm going to trust you in this less than ideal circumstance. I'm going to trust you. Do you hear that? Even when I don't feel it. Even when I don't see it. Even when I don't feel it. Come on, that's it. You never stop. You never stop. You never stop. Come on, he didn't take a day off. Yes, yes, yes. You never stop, you never stop working. 
reconnecting to their purpose, reconnecting to their anointing. Come on, your best days are ahead of you. The best days in this church are in front of us. The most powerful days of your ministry are in front of you. Yes, yes, yes. Hallelujah. Yes, yes, yes. Come on, he's a waymaker. Yes. Waymaker, miracle worker.